0: It's good to see everybody here this morning, and, and um, I'm thankful for the opportunity to be able to uh, preach once again. And <clears throat> There's uh, something we need to make mention of. We mentioned that there are flyers out here uh, ready to be passed out for our friends and family day. Uh, please, please, please uh, get you a couple and, and pass those out. Made enough for, uh, for everybody uh, basically to grab two. And, uh, and, and take them and, and hand them out to somebody. You can grab more than two because I'm sure that we do have some extras. Uh, so go ahead and do that. Now, I want to remind you of the importance of this by uh, taking our attention back to a sermon that we preached a few weeks ago and talking about how uh, people come to Christ. We named off from a survey of, of uh, different uh, uh, reasons why people uh, had attended a, a denomination and had mentioned how uh, this could apply to the Lord's Church and how we can understand it. And we had mentioned, you know, different things. You know, I, I remember specifically some of, the, uh, some of the things, you know, inviting someone to a gospel meeting, just someone coming to a gospel meeting, uh, you know, about 0.5% people come because they came to a gospel meeting. They're not going to stay because of that. You think about the preacher, a lot of times congregations will set up uh, to have a a preacher that they think is uh, dynamic or friendly or whatever, and they think, well, we'll have all these people come because of the preacher, but the study showed that only about 6% of people come and stay uh, because of the preacher. Now, what was the big thing? Remember, 79% uh, came from a person... That attended that congregation that was a close friend or relative. A close friend or relative. So, we want the congregation, the Lord's Church here in Lebanon to grow. Then guess what? We all need to invite someone, invite someone that is a close friend or a close family member uh, to come. Now, we can invite whoever we want to. But if we want the best results, that's what we need to do. And so I hope that everybody participates in doing that and bringing as many people as you can uh, to the meeting. Because, you know, what, you know, we, we can have our, our friends and family who are brethren, that's fine. Uh, but what we're really hoping to do is to reach out to the community. And so if you have friends and family who are not brethren, uh, that's, that's what we're really looking for. We're, looking to, uh, uh, we're not looking to sheep still, if you will. We're looking to bring people to Christ, and so that's that's what we want to do. Uh, and so with these thoughts on our mind concerning, uh, you know, this is a meeting coming up, really. I mean, this is a special day. Uh, there are a lot of good things, I think, about it, and, and we're going to uh, have a uh, special, special lessons geared toward uh, people who may not uh, be members of the church. And so we have a... Special day coming up that we need to prepare for. Now, how do we prepare for that? Well, we obviously, we need to go to scriptures. And if you want to go ahead and turn over to Acts chapter 10, I'll meet you there in just one more, uh, one moment. But when you think about, I remember in high school, uh, there was something that was done in my time that I'm sure was done in most everybody else's time. And that was, that was the most, right? You had the most... Most popular people, the funniest, and all those different things. They go in the yearbook, and you have have all these different mosts. And you know that while, um, while many people are not included in that, you have people that stand out to others. And I remember one uh, one time in particular that uh, uh, they they announced uh, the mosts and said, you know, if you want to, what we need to do is we need to vote for the wittiest. And when we're talking about the wittiest. What we say is. You look at this person and they make you laugh. You know, and, and I remember things like that. And uh, When we think about most in the Bible, you know, we, we think about, you know, this. let's think about this one thing. Let's say, who was the most excited to become a Christian? We can name off a lot of different people. But I think that somebody that you'd have to consider... Would have to be here in Acts chapter ten, and that person is Cornelius. You think about Cornelius and and what's leading up to uh, uh, to the event that we see here in verse twenty four and following. Is is this is, you know, uh, Cornelius knows that somebody's going to be coming to him. That someone's going to come. He's been praying to God, and, and God is is going to send someone his way. And and so uh, during this time, Peter uh, receives this vision. It says that he's. He's at the mealtime, and he goes into a trance. And then while he's in his trance, he sees uh, a a large vessel. It it looks uh, similar to a sheet. And there are all sorts of unclean animals in it. And so then the Lord speaks up and says, Peter, kill and eat. So arise, kill and eat. And what does Peter say? Oh, no, 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 no. I can't do that. I have never, ever... Let anything unclean. And so, what what was the Lord say? (laughs) Don't you dare call something unclean. that I'm calling clean. So the idea here is what? Peter is going to be able to usher in something that is going to be brand new. It is the idea that Gentiles now can be operating under this covenant. And so the the idea simply is Gentiles are now accepted. They are now accepted. And the first thing that he is told to do is what? Go and preach. There is a man named Cornelius. You need to go on a visit with him. And so as we see in verse 24 that he, number one, Cornelius, he first made sure that he was there. I think that's a very important lesson for us, brethren. He made sure that he was there. I don't know if you've ever been a part of a congregation that they've had a gospel meeting. And and the first day, Sunday, you know, it's normal. Everybody goes to worship on Sunday anyway. So you worship on Sunday. Sunday morning is is jam-packed. Everybody's there. Uh, Sunday evening, a little less so. And then come Monday night. Monday night, 7 o'clock, doors are open and the crowd, not so much. Not a whole lot of people there. There are several missing. Do you know how discouraging that can be when people do not show up? It can be very discouraging. There's a congregation one time that they had uh, a lot of, lot of members that uh, was a part of the congregation. A fairly good-sized congregation. And on Sunday night, that attendance dropped severely. It was cut in more than half. And then by Wednesday night, you want to guess, looking at more like 15%. Can you imagine of the congregation coming back on Wednesday night. Just a huge drop off, right? In that congregation, they talked about how discouraging that was. That was the number one thing that they wanted was to have the body of Christ together to meet, to worship, and to study. And so if we're going to do that, the number one thing we have to do... Is make sure that we're there. Because if everybody makes sure that they are there, then everybody would be there, right? I understand. When we're talking about through the week, you know, there there are times where you know work keeps you away and whatnot, but we're talking about Sunday. We're talking about one day. We're talking about three lessons. Make sure that you're there. Be an encouragement to the brethren. You know what? Let's further this. Think about this. If we have a a good attendance on Sunday morning and it drops off drastically Sunday night and we have visitors, what do you think they'll be thinking? Brethren, it's important for us all to be here. Not just for the sake of having a meeting. But for the sake of, we are opening up the word of God and studying it. So number one, first he made sure that he was there. And number two, look at verse 24. It says that he called together his kinsmen and near friends. So what does he do? First he makes sure he's there. And then the next thing he's going to do is he's going to invite his friends and his family. Verse 24. And on the morrow, they entered into Caesarea, and Cornelius was waiting for them, having called together his kinsmen and his near friends. He invited his friends and family, just like we're about to have a friends and family day. He already he invited his friends and family, the people he cared about the most. He wanted them to know about the gospel of Christ. Now, brethren, that is a direct relation to us, is it not? If we have close friends and family and we love them, then aren't we going to want to bring them to Christ? Don't we want them to be a part of the body of Christ? And if so, what are we going to do about it? We can do just like he did and invite them. We need to go out and we need to find people, that's for sure. But we already know plenty of people, I'm sure, that we can invite to this one day, at the very least. There's a story about Henry Ford. Uh, Henry Ford, he, he had bought this uh, very expensive insurance policy. And this, this policy, I mean, it was really expensive. It was extravagant, you know, and rich man. And so he, he, he buys this policy. And... The funny thing about this is, is he had a close friend that sold life insurance, and so his friend, you know, after hearing the news, he said, "Why didn't you buy from me?" His reply: "You never asked." Now we're not talking about money here, brethren. when the Lord comes back and we go and stand before our Heavenly Father in the judgment and we're there and our close friends and family are standing by and they know that they're not in the right and we know that they're not in the right and they turn around and they look at us and they say you never asked me you never did anything. That's on us. That is on us, brethren. Do you want to stand before the Lord with that on your conscience? I hope not. And so, what do we do? We, we simply need to ask. We need to ask. Look at verse 33. It says, Forthwith, therefore I sent to thee, and thou hast well done that thou art come. Now therefore we are all here present in the sight of God to hear all things that have been commanded thee of the Lord. We're all here present before God. When we are in the assembly. <laughs> we're, we're listening to the word of God. It's his word. We're present before God. You know. And, and outside this. We're, we're present before God all the time. Right? He's omnipresent. He's everywhere. At all times. Brethren. The thing about this is. is you see this idea. Of, you know. We're all. We're all in this together. You know we're 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 all in this together. Not skip the high school musical cliche, okay? I know that several of you are probably singing that in your your head already, but you know, look, we are here, present, before the Lord. In Hebrews ten and verse twenty five, uh, we we see that we need to be present when the assembly comes together. Look at look at verses twenty four through twenty six, wasn't it? Hebrews chapter ten, verses twenty four through twenty six. It says this and let us consider one another to provoke unto love and good works, not forsaking our own assembling together as the custom of some is, but exhorting one another. And so much the more as you see the day drawing nigh for if we sin willfully after that, we have received the knowledge of the truth. There remaineth no more a sacrifice for sins. You know why we need to be here together To encourage each other. You know, there have been been times in life where people they they go through these struggles, but they're Christians. And you know where they get their strength? They get their strength from the Lord and from their brethren knew of a family that lost a, a child at uh, a very young age, at the age of two. And you know, the thing that helped that family more than anything was the brethren pulling together and helping them. We need to be here because we are all present before God but we need to be here to encourage each other. And so where am I going to be next Sunday? You know, I, I'm going to be here. You know that. But where are you going to be? Where are we all going to be come 930? 1020? Where, where are we going to be? I hope that answer is here. I hope we are here, and that we're going to hear the word of God preached, and we're going to joy enjoy every second of that. Not all only are we on this together, but we're doing this together. This is a joint effort. You know, like like we said, seventy nine percent of people that that in these you know ten thousand denominational people that were were polled, they, they said, you know, 79% of them, look, I came because somebody that I cared about and that cared about me invited me. They had me come. And so, you know, preacher can't do that by himself. The elders and the preacher can't do that by themselves. The elders and the preachers and the deacons can't do that by themselves. It's Everybody everybody working together in Hebrews 3 and verse 14 all things are manifest before him all things are naked and open before him nothing can be hidden from God nothing we are all present before God you know, the idea here is is this is this a blessing or is this a curse? Uh, We need to answer that question. Is this a blessing or a curse that God can see everything? It depends on how you live, doesn't it? If you're not living right, it's a curse. If you're living righteously, it's a blessing. I know a manager of a group home for uh, mentally handicapped uh, adults and... uh, been able to to meet one. There's this this one one guy's name's Charlie, and Charlie, you just got to meet Charlie someday. I mean, you know, likelihood is you probably won't, but if you could, it would be a blessing. Charlie is just a, a magnificent person, and and uh, he was always telling the, the manager to say, you know, God's watching you. And at first, you know, the manager was thinking, oh, God's watching us. We got to make sure we're doing what's right. But the more that Charlie said this, the understanding came that, you know, God's watching over us. He's caring for us. You no, know, we're, we're all present before God. We're, it's all open before Him. He knows everything. And so, we need to work together on this, brethren. He knows our hearts. He, he knows. He knows them. Each and every one of us. Understand that there are, uh, uh, there's at least uh, one person I know of, uh, actually a couple of people here that have uh, uh, played piano. And I don't know much about that. But playing the piano is always very interesting to me. You know what's really interesting about, about playing the piano? Uh, they, they tune pianos. Okay. Someone will come in. And, have you ever seen someone tuning a piano? They, a lot of times they'll set out, and at least, at least the time I've I've seen it done is come out and they'll lay open a, this uh, mat that has all these different tuning forks, and they start striking the tuning forks, and and they're getting that piano tuned just right. You know, if someone knows what they're doing, you know they can tune a hundred pianos. And did you know that they can all play the same notes? Isn't that interesting? Now why is that interesting? First well, Corinthians 1 and verse 10. You know, we should be fitly joined together. We should be working together. The only way we can do that is through the Word of God. But we are working together. Brethren, we all need to be basically playing the same tune, Right? And that is to follow the word of God. And of course also in that passage, verse 33, it says, To hear all things commanded thee of God. In Luke 1 and verse 79, it, it's uh, uh, Zechariah is talking about John. He says he's going to uh, bring light to them that sit in darkness. In the shadow of death, he's going to guide our feet in the right paths. You know, when you think about this, no wonder Cornelius wanted to hear the things of God. He wanted to do what's right. Now, now remember, you know, if we're Christians, you remember when you became a Christian? Do you, do you remember that? Do you remember that moment? That, that aha moment when you got it? Do you remember that? Maybe, maybe things after that when, when you know, I, I remember specifically, you know, uh, for myself that uh, I, I remember you know, about evangelism and, and someone teaching about evangelism. I read some passages and came over to, over to Matthew 28, 18 through 20, part of the Great Commission, you get to verse 20, and it says, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I've commanded you. And I thought, wait a second. Why didn't somebody tell me this? Why didn't someone point this out to me? I, I get it now. I need to be doing this. That happens with all sorts of things in Scripture, right? You know, you, you, you know, getting into the Word of God, you're going to learn something. Not a single one of us knows everything. So you're going to learn something. In Hebrews 4, and verse 12, it says, For the Word of God is living and active and sharper than any two-edged sword and piercing even to dividing of soul and spirit, of both joints and marrow, and quick to discern the thoughts and intents of the heart. You think about this. This is a sharp book, right? The Word of God is sharp. Can, can, Can someone explain this to me? I want someone to explain You can go ahead, and if you want to preach this tonight, I will let you. Okay? Explain this to me. How can the Word of God divide of soul and spirit, go. Explain that. The Word of God, you know, you can read a lot of books. But this is the only book that reads you. One thing that we cannot afford to do Is we cannot sit back and watch as others do the work. Now, I've heard it said, maybe you've heard this too, that 85% of the work gets done by 15% of the people, right? Uh, That's just a saying. I don't think that that's (laughs) a statistic that can be used, but that's what people say, right? So, basically, the idea is a small number of people do most of the work. That's that's easy enough. We need, brethren, to make up our minds right now that we're not going to become a part of a sideline religion. You know, one that you know I'm I'm going to be content just sitting around and not doing anything else. You know, we are not spectators. We are not spectators, brethren. You think about numbers, uh, number th- in chapter thirty-two. It says, you know, we're talking about Reuben, Gad, and the half tribe of Manasseh, and before, you know, they're they're going to go over into the land of Canaan, and they're going to start fighting. And you remember what happens in numbers thirty-two? Uh, well, look at this land here. This land's just great. This land, we, you know, we we have cattle, we have livestock. This is good enough for us. We don't need to go over to Canaan. And so, you know, here they are. They're they're saying, I I don't need to go over there. It's okay. We can just stay right here. And you remember what the response was? Moses comes to them and says, hey, uh, you want to stay here? That's fine. You can leave your women and your children, your belongings. But guess what, buddy? You're coming to fight. Don't think that you can sit back and let your brethren go off to war. You're going to fight too. When members of God's family become spectators, the end result is discouragement for those that are trying. You know, we don't need to sit back like, you know, uh, Reuben and Gad and the half-tribe of Manasseh and say, you know, y'all go fight. You do your thing. You will be here when you're done. No. We can't do that in the Lord's church. We all have to take part. We're not spectators. Hebrews 13 and verse 17, it says, Obey them that have rule over you, for they give an account for you. You They're giving an account for your soul. They're just talking... Elders. Elders are going to give an account for our souls. You know what? Elders have deemed that this is a good time uh, for a friends and family day, for an evangelistic effort. And because the elders have said this, because the elders have, have thought that this is a good thing, You know, as brethren, you know what we ought to do? As people who are under these shepherds, if you will? We need to comply. And we need to do the best we can to make this the most successful day that the congregation of the Lord's Church here has ever seen. That is out of respect for the men who watch over your souls. You know what? A part of this idea, too, is I cannot let myself become indifferent to lost souls. How sad will the Lord be? How sad will the Lord's church be? If we don't do our job and reach out to the lost. If we become indifferent. You know, it doesn't matter. You know, probably not going to come to Christ, right? I can, I can do all this work and, you know, people may not even become a Christian. You know, that wasn't the command. The command is not Success. The command is not 100% productivity. What was the command? Go and teach. You think about people who have become indifferent to those who are lost. I think one example shines among all examples. That's Jonah. Think about Jonah. Jonah he's told to go and to preach to Nineveh, and I'm not going there. Forget those guys. Man. And maybe, you know, we could think about this all day long and say maybe, maybe he's afraid. You know, we could, there's all sorts of things that we could say here, and, and, and maybe even things that, that sound justifiable. But the thing about it is, is he didn't want to go and preach, and then when, when he got there to preach, what did he do? Afterwards, he went and sat on a hill waiting for its destruction. You know, he wanted them to be destroyed. He just knew it was gonna happen. Look at all these unrighteous people. Of course, you know, entire city converted, right? You know, they they did what was right. I cannot allow myself to be like that. We cannot do that. We cannot allow ourselves to become indifferent about souls lost souls another thing is is that we cannot allow ourselves to become infected with this idea that you know a, a half-hearted Christian is really the same thing as a faithful member no I'll show up I'm there I sit in the pew You know, that doesn't cut it with the Lord. Uh, I've heard it said that Christianity is an all-or-nothing religion. You put either everything you've got into it or don't do anything at all. It's all or nothing. 1 Peter 3 and verse 18 says, Grow in grace and knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, I'm not responsible for making people obey. You are not responsible for making people obey. But we need to give them an opportunity. That's our job. The Lord uh, said in Isaiah 55, verse 11, My word will not return unto me void, it's not empty. It's not worthless. It's going to do exactly what I want it to do, is what the Lord says. It's not going to return unto me, void. And so, knowing that, we should just follow suit. And so, what's the point, brethren? The point is this we have friends and family day coming up. We need to bring ourselves. And we need to bring our friends and our family. Because, you know what? You, you just might be the one to invite someone and they become a Christian. That could be you. In the Lord's church here, in the Lord, and the angels in heaven will rejoice and be thankful for your efforts. Maybe it is that you know that you have not been living a righteous life and that you need to first work on yourself and then you can help others out. And, and uh, we'd love for you to come forward in just a moment to take care of that. Maybe you've done something in a public nature, and that's really what public invitation is for, something to repent of publicly. But maybe you just need some prayers. We'll be glad to pray for you. Or maybe it is that you have yet to become a Christian. And what that is is, is uh, obedience to the word of God, and there's a there's a gospel plan of salvation, uh, and, and that is you know first you have to hear the word of God Romans ten seventeen so then faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God, and so we have to to hear it, and then once we hear it we have the opportunity to believe, and if we believe it John three sixteen for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life, and so we hear. And believe and we have to repent. Luke thirteen three. I tell you nay, but unless you repent, ye shall all likewise perish. So it's a necessity that we have to repent of sins. And that means that we have to have a change of mind that results in a change of action. If we have been committing sin, then we no longer can commit that sin. We have to do something about it. So we hear and believe and repent. And then we must confess. Matthew 10, 32, and 33. This is something we do every day. Every single day of our lives, we confess Christ before men. He confesses us before the Father. If we deny Him. He denies us before the Father. So we hear, believe, repent, confess, and then we must be baptized into Christ. 1 Peter 3.21, like figure two, even baptism doth also now save us. Not the removal of the filth of the flesh, but the answer of a good conscience toward God. This is something that we do. It's not ceremonial. It's not something that, that is done for show. It's something that is a necessity. And it is something that is a necessity to wash our sins away. It's not the removal of the filth of the flesh. It's the answer of a good conscience toward God. You want to do what's right? You want to follow the Lord? You want to be forgiven of your sins? Then you have to be baptized into Christ. And then after that we have to live faithfully. Revelation 2 and verse 10. Be thou faithful unto death, and thou shalt receive the crown of life. If there's anybody in need to respond to the invitation, please come as we stand and as we sing.